God, this is your time. It's time for us just to connect with you. Holy Spirit, have your way here this morning. Everyone in here has something they need right now for the last day of the year, God. Bring it to them. Supply it for them. That they will leave here refreshed and ready to take on the year that is to come. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Can you have a seat? Well, happy almost New Year. It's not official yet, but we are close. That phrase, though, comes so full of concern, doesn't it? Will it be a good year? Will it be happy? What's going to happen in the year to come? Good? Bad? Unexpected? Serendipitous? I love that word. Look it up if you don't know that one. Serendipitous? As I look back through 2017, I gained a grandson. And then he, along with my daughter and son-in-law, moved to Philly. It's horrible, or as they say back there, horrible. It's horrible. My wife and I sold our house up here and bought a commuter home down in Lincoln to be closer to the university where we both work. And our goal is to still be attached to this place. We have a beautiful, my in-laws have a great place in Lake of the Pines, so it's our weekender home, so we're still going to be here. But we sold seven months ago, and through moving here and moving stuff there and getting this and getting that, we got in after remodel on December 23rd and hosted 20 people in a 1,000-square-foot place for Christmas on, on Christmas, yeah, for dinner. We literally put up and took down Christmas in the same day, one day. My boss retired this year, and so I have inherited the entire uh, youth ministry program down at William Jessup University, which meant that I got to spend three months tearing it all apart and deciding what was good, what was bad, what needed to change, what we needed to do, putting it back together. And now I'm in the process of getting ready to teach two new courses starting next week. Two courses, that's a huge deal. In the midst of all that, I had to change uh, from my office that I'd been in for the last eight years. I don't know if we've ever even moved an office. Houses are bad. Offices are pretty bad, too. Books and trinkets and things on the wall. And, and, and then I had to put it into a new office and all the while keep teaching. Plus, I led a two-week mission trip to India last year. Wow, that's a lot. And, and I can't imagine that 2018 is going to have the same kind of, of challenges or changes that 2017 had, but it does make me just a little bit nervous thinking that it could be that way again, right? Well, what about you? How was 2017 for you? Was it a year that you want to embrace and remember every memory, or is it a year that you want to let go of as fast as you can and move on to something better? Well, today I want to walk us through how we can have a happy new year. But it's all predicated on who's in charge of the year to come. Will it be you with all your earthly might trying to make it a great year with your New Year's resolutions to exercise more and eat less and spend more time with family and save more money? 
Or will you allow the king of kings to be in charge and bring purpose for the next year that is to come? Our past messages in this series, Behold the King, have shown us that God is the king of promise, the king of reality, the king of sacrifice, the king of security, the king of celebration. And today, to wrap up our series, we see God as the king of kings. And as been mentioned many times in this series, a king rules over all things. So when we choose to live for Jesus, when we choose Jesus as king, we gladly give up our autonomy and we decide and accept to live within his boundaries for our lives. Pastor Ron, just a few weeks back, said that we need to let the king call the shots of our lives. And how I wish that was easier to live out. I've spent far too much time in my life calling my own shots, trying to be my own ruler, trying to live outside the kingdom walls and not acknowledging Jesus as king. And honestly, that has not gone very well for me. But today, but in this moment, I can choose to live differently. And so can you. So can you. We can give up our plans and submit them to the king of kings who will bring real purpose to us. And then and only then will it truly be a happy new year. Well, do me a favor. Pull out your message notes. And because I teach a speech class and I love acronyms, I hope you'll indulge me as I use the word year to talk about how we can have a happy new Y-E-A-R. Here we go. The first way we can find purpose and have a happy new year is to explore our yearnings. Fill that one in. Yearnings. Explore our yearnings. A yearning is a verb, and it's defined as this, to have an intense feeling of longing for something, typically something that has been lost or been separated from, to have an intense feeling for something that that sometimes you've lost and you want that back. So we can yearn for many things in this year to come. You could yearn for more wealth, for material goods, for better relationships with people, and you can yearn simply for happiness to come. But those cannot be what we yearn for the most. Our starting point for a year of purpose must be that we yearn for God. Psalm 42, first couple verses says this, As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, for the living God. We should long. We should thirst We should yearn for a relationship with God. How much do you do that? How much do you yearn for Jesus? Do you long for him? How much do you do that? So Ron mentioned this. Uh, Let's imagine the stage here. This is a one over here. No reflection on the people on this side. But one stands for not so much. Haven't had, nor do I particularly yearn for a relationship with God. But over here on this other side, again, not reflective of you, but I hope it is, is a 10. Yes, 
Now is the time. Today's the day. This is the year that I yearn more for God. This is the year that I come back into a full relationship with him. Now think about that for a moment, one to ten, and I'll come back to that in a second. The definition of yearn includes something you've been separated from. Have you been separated from God this year or lately? Now is the time to be able to yearn more for him. So think about this scale. Where are you? Are you two? Are you six? Are you eight? If you're a one, if you do not even have a relationship with God, what would it take? How could, how could myself, how could our church, how could, how could God even help you move from one just to two, just to say, I'll explore. I'll take that risk and begin to see what it would be like to have a relationship with God. If you're over on an eight, what's it going to take? How do you want to get to a 10? Is eight, are you satisfied with eight? Can you yearn more and more and more? Maybe there's far numbers, far beyond 10, and that's where you want to take your relationship with God. So I'm just going to leave it quiet for a second. I just wanted to think, where are you on that scale? Think about it. What number would you choose? I discovered the Apostle Paul actually lived out the acronym Y-E-A-R in his letter to the Philippians. So I'm going to come back to this numerous times today. In chapter 3, Paul is talking about what he used to think was important in life. And for Paul, what was important before his encounter with Jesus, his encounter with God, was things like his status, his nationalism, and his confidence in the flesh. But then he says this in Philippians 3, 7. I once thought these things were valuable, the things I just mentioned, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Do you yearn for the infinite value of knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. Are you ready to let God be the King of kings and rule your thoughts and your actions in the year to come? So that's, that's kind of an ethereal idea, right? The, the yearning, it's, it's, it's out there a little bit. Now, I'm a practical guy. So what does it look like practically to yearn for God? Let me just mention a few things. The first one is to spend time in meditation and prayer to spend time in meditation and prayer. Now, the reason my wife and I bought this little commuter house down in Lincoln is we have spent the last 14 years commuting an hour and a half a day, 45 down, 45 back, and it has just gotten to us. Now our commute there and back is generally a little under 20 minutes. And although it's done wonders for our relaxed time when we finally get home, this drive up this hill is getting worse and worse, isn't it? I mean, on Fridays with people going to Tahoe in the winter to ski and in the summer to play, it'll take us an hour sometimes. So it's done wonders for us to be able to get home, relax, take it easy. But it's kind of ruined my prayer time. You see, when I had 45 minutes, that was me and Jesus time. Like no radio, no conversation. It was just Jesus and I, and we could talk. 
So I'm still in the process of discovery on this new little place, realizing that I can actually get up at the same time, have a cup of coffee, not while I'm driving, and still be able to spend plenty of time with prayer and prayer with Jesus. I must pray more in this year to come. That's one practical way to yearn for God. Another practical way would be by spending time in the scriptures. Spending time in the scriptures. Do me a favor. Trust me here. Close your eyes, everyone. Close your eyes. I want you to just exhale for a moment. Just let it out for a second. I want you to just be. Just be. Just be open. Just let the words I'm going to share in a minute just just fall upon you and see what God does. I'm going to read a little bit of Psalm 63. Just relax. Oh, God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there's no water. I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me more than the richest feast. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you meditating on you through the night because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Open your eyes. It works, doesn't it? Like it works. Spending time meditating, praying, And in the word of God, in the Bible, becomes like a mini Sabbath, a small vacation you get to take from this world by escaping and being with God, who then refreshes you, gives you the energy and the strength you need to go on. And all of these things can help us to yearn for God, the letter Y. The second way we can find our purpose and have a happy New Year is the letter E, was just to build up our expectations. Fill in expectations. Expectation is defined as a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. It will happen or be the case in the future. I want to tell you a Christmas story past. I expected when I was 10 years old to get a Daisy BB gun. Not the Red Rider. I'm not the kid in the movie. But a, but a Daisy BB gun. We lived at that time in a little town in Southern California, a cool, really old two-story house. It was the first post office in that town long, long, long before. A huge field of weeds out in the back, surrounded by olive trees. It was the perfect place for a young boy to get in trouble with a gun. So I made it clear at least 100 times to my mama, this is the gun I need. I need this gun. I was so expectant. I was so excited. I laid in bed that night before on Christmas Eve. I could not sleep a wink because I knew what was coming the next day. In the morning, my siblings and I, and there were many at the time, 
we come crashing down the stairs to do the routine opening of Christmas presents. Stocking stuffers, socks and underwear, a shirt I'll wear to school, a model to build, and, and, and absolutely nothing. I was devastated. My mom caught me later in the day, and she said, how were your presents? And I said, hey, they were okay. And the look on my face obviously gave away something, and she re- responded back with, well, what about the BB gun? I'm like, the BB gun? What are you talking about? Okay, see, I was that kid that had to find all of his gifts before Christmas. Any of you? Searching the house, finding those spots, peeking in the wrappings. And my mom knows this about me, so she hid it really, really well. Well, in the hustle and bustle of getting ready for Christmas, she totally forgot to get that out of hiding and put it under the tree. So eventually, my level of expectation was met, and I had that little gun for a long, long time. How expectant are you? How expectant are you that when you yearn for God, he will show up? Here's how the Apostle Paul shows his expectations in Philippians 1, 20 to 26. He says this, For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but I will continue to be bold for Christ as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. If I live, I can do more faithful work for Christ. So I really don't know what to do. I don't know what is better. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me, but for your sake, it is better I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I will remain alive and I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Paul expected, Paul was convinced that God had a plan for his life, and so can we. Paul's expectation was that God would show up, God would empower him, God would give him what he needed to continue to live the life that he wanted to live, and so can we. So what do you expect from God? Now, If you expect that God's just going to come and swoop away all your troubles and meet your every desire, everything you think you want, then perhaps you, you don't have the proper view of God or the understanding, the right understanding of the nature of a king. You see, a king does not exist to cater to your every desire, but instead you exist to serve the king. That's how the kingdom works. And our king knows so much better what you need than even you do or you ever will. Can you trust him to be the king in the year to come? On the other hand, what can you expect from God? If you pray for strength, will he provide it? If you look for wisdom, will he supply it? If you ask God to give you a stronger desire to know him, to yearn for him, will he come through? I expect that he will. 
The third way we can find purpose and have a happy new year is the letter A, which is to monitor our actions. Monitor our actions. Continuing in Philippians, where the Apostle Paul is showing us how to have a good Y-E-A-R, he tells us in 127, above all, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Above everything else, you should live a certain way as part of the kingdom people. A few chapters later, down in three, he's going to give this passionate plea because there's a group of people that were not living like they should be for the kingdom. And Paul shares this with him. This is 3.17. Dear brothers and sisters, Pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before and say it again with tears in my eyes that there are those whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. Do you see it? Do you get the difference? That those living for the king live differently. When we recognize Jesus as the king of kings, it changes everything, our thoughts as well as our actions. Over the last year, I've spoken with multiple believers, people that know Jesus, who've made seemingly small, but I think very significant steps in trying to change the way that they live, to live more for God. Things like this, to go back to using a flip phone that has absolutely no internet access. Others have given up social media altogether, done with that. Putting filters on your computer to stop inappropriate materials from even being available. I know people who've changed their drinking patterns, coffee and alcohol, and others that are monitoring where they spend every penny of their income. Now, all of these noble actions are there to help these people become the type of believer the Bible calls them to be. Our actions in this new year should include not doing certain things, being involved in pornography, abuses, gluttony, greed. But it should also include doing things, such as giving to those less fortunate, tithing to the church, letting only blessings come from our mouths, and pursuing peace. I teach the book of James down at the university. Imagine that, an entire semester, five chapters. What a blessing it is to go slowly, verse by verse by verse, through this beautiful book with a group of students. And one of the questions on the final, now I'm giving this to you, do not pass this along to my students, okay? But one of the questions on the final is this, follow the theme of how to live as a servant of God. That's the theme for the book of James, how to live as a servant of God. Follow this theme of how to live as a servant of God through the entire book of James. List principles we are to live by and list attitudes or actions we are to avoid. Here's how a good student might answer that question. Principles to live by. Trials help us grow, so persevere. Don't just listen, but do what the word says. Get rid of evil. Treat everyone the same. Do good deeds. 
Tame your tongue. Submit to God. Ask for his will in your life. Be careful of wealth. Be patient. Be accountable. Be a person of prayer. And then attitudes or actions to avoid. Don't doubt. Don't trust in riches. Don't blame God for temptations. Don't show favoritism. Don't just sit on your faith. Don't have an affair with the world. Don't slander or judge. Don't boast about tomorrow. Don't hoard money. Wow, what an amazing list that just the Apostle James give us on how to live as citizens in the kingdom. But I want to make something really clear right here. Your spirituality Your spirituality is not dependent on a checklist. It's not about how many good checks you get in a year. Our faith does not work that way. It's about God's love for us, his acceptance for us. But we are asked to live a certain way as part of a kingdom. And and with Jesus as our king, we are asked to live a certain way. So in this new year, will you, as Paul challenged us, live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ? Make a plan now to chase after worthy living day to day. And the final way we can have purpose and have a happy new year is the letter R, which is to pursue healthy relationships. Pursue healthy relationships. The Huffington Post recently listed 10 characteristics of a healthy relationship, including things like this. Trying not to fix or control the other person. Dealing with conflicts head-on and then forgiving and moving on. Sharing feelings openly and honestly. Valuing the friendship and wanting to be together simply for the sake of being together. Oh, that's so sweet. I'm not here today to tell you how to have a good relationship. That's way above my pay grade. But I am here to help encourage you to have good, healthy relationships in different areas of your life. So think about these questions. Do you have friendships? Do you have people you simply can have fun with? And are you willing to invest in those relationships? Do you have deeper relationships? Those are the people where you share everything going on in your life. Do you have someone you can share at that deep level with? Can you confess your sins to anyone? Do you have a person that you trust to do that and that they will then help keep you accountable? Do you have people who can and will pray for you on a regular basis? And then are you involved in a community group, a support group, a a small group, anything to accomplish some of the above questions? I often refer to the A, B, C's of relationship. A is for acquaintances. Acquaintances, these are people you know, you hang around occasionally. There's not too much of a personal relationship going with, on with them. If you look in terms of circles, these are people kind of outer circle. You may have a whole bunch of people that are there you run into, you say hi to, you know by name, and then that's about it. They're your acquaintances. B is for brotherly. Brotherly, simple, fun, casual relationship, but there's something deeper going on here. In these brotherly relationships, you are starting to share more about your lives, about the struggles and the joys, and you're beginning to open up with them. So if you look at circles, this now becomes a, a more of a, an inner, a closer circle, and there's fewer people that would be in the brotherly category. C is for close. These are the relationships that go deep. They're meaningful. 
They're life-changing relationships, so much more than A or B could possibly be. There's more intense sharing of life circumstances. There is accountability. There's prayer. And these are your inner core of people. And there may only be a few of these that you have if you're lucky to have some at all. I feel like I'm privileged to have a bunch of people in my life in all of these categories, including my family members, people I work with, and many of you here at Twin Cities Church. How about you? Will your relationships help 2018 to be a great year? So I hate to admit this, but, but sometimes this happens. I, I get really excited about writing these messages, and I just, my brain goes to town. And I just start bam, 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 and outlining it, and, and I'm praying. I'm like, God, what do you want? And then sometimes I look back, and I go, wait, I didn't do this yet. And that happened this time. I wrote this. I'm like, yeah, happy new Y-E-A. Wait a minute. I haven't done this. So I sat down with my own material. And it was good. I'm not saying that I created something good. I'm saying this idea is solid. To think about these categories, Y, E, A, R, it forever changed the way I will view future New Year's. I will never come to a 31st of a year again and not think about this message and what I need to think about in order to move forward to have a God-purposing year in the year to come. So I did. I sat down, and I now have really solid, solid plans to do things differently moving forward in relation to the way that I yearn for God, including, like I said, more times of devotion and Bible reading and prayer. I'm totally expecting that God will show up when I say I want to yearn for him. He's going to be there. He's going to supply those things I need so I can fall more in love with him. Another side thing I found out about expectations is I tend to go negative sometimes. Anyone? Like you just spin the negative. And I've started literally rebuking negative thoughts and expecting that a God who loves me will fill my mind with positive thoughts. And that's been really powerful in the last couple weeks to be able to do that. Uh, A for actions, probably my strongest letter. I'm working daily to be the kind of Christian that God wants me to be, the kind of believer the Bible calls me to be. And I absolutely love serving. Most of you know that. My my next Brazil trip is already on the calendar for May, and I'm totally excited about that. And finally, I'm committed to be involved in healthy relationships with family, with friends, and with Twin Cities Church throughout this year. I want to challenge you to sit down soon and make a list for each letter, Y-E-A-R, what would it look like? How how am I going to tangibly figure out how to yearn for God? What are my expectations of Him? Uh, What actions do I need to do or stop doing? And what relationships am I going to be in that are going to help me throughout this year? I challenge you to sit down and do that. And then you will have a fantastic God-honoring year. So now you don't need to fret. When somebody says, have a happy new year, uh, you can just smile. You can say, I will. I know I can. I will have a great Y-E-A-R because I'm going to focus on yearnings and expectations and actions and relationships. What a great challenge. And I want to finish by giving you sort of a second challenge. Okay, it's, it's, As a speaker, it's not the ideal situation. I should end right here. But I couldn't pass this up. Have you heard of a personal mission statement? A personal mission statement. Do you have one? It is a saying or a verse that you write or read, and it brings meaning and purpose to your life. 
And when you need that, you just continually, you go back to that saying. You go back to that verse, and it reminds you time and time again why you exist and how you want to live. Our church has a purpose, mission statement. It says this, we are engaging together to lead as many people as possible into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. I have a personal mission statement. It's very simple. Love God, love others, love life. Anyone who knows me, I hope they can say, yeah, he tries to live that out. I also have a Bible verse I live by. It's Psalm uh, 61, 18. And it says, do not forsake me, O my God, even when I'm old and gray, until I can share your power to the next generation, your mighty acts for all who are to come. And I daily try and live out my personal statement as well as that Bible verse. I believe that Jesus had a personal mission statement. Believe it or not, it comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 61. But Jesus himself repeats it in the book of Luke. And it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus knew coming down, but he found his purpose on earth by sharing the good news of salvation with us and by serving others, by healing and helping them to be free. What's your purpose statement? We're talking about how to live a year of purpose. What's your purpose statement? What do you want your life to look like moving forward in the future? What part does God play in your plans? How will you honor Jesus and your thoughts and your actions in the year to come? I want to challenge you to take some time to sit down with Y-E-A-R and then write personal mission statements and to sit and think, what is it? What do I need to write? How can I craft this so it's memorable and I can go back to it again and again and again and again in those times that I need it and say, yes, this is how I exist. This is how I want to live. And I guarantee you, if you include in your personal purpose statement this big idea of God and Jesus being a part of your life, the powerful part of your life, then there is no question you can allow the King of Kings to bring real purpose in this new Y-E-A-R. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for the people in this room. And I know some stories, I don't know a lot. But I imagine most of our years were the same. There was good and there was bad. There was ups and downs. There was joys and disappointments. Lord, I pray more than anything that right now we can decide even as the Apostle Paul said to imitate or follow me as I follow Christ, that we can choose to give up our own personal agendas and only look to yours, that we can yearn more and more and more of you and let the rest fall in place. Lord, be with the people in this room in this year to come that you would bless them and they would honor you with their lives. We thank you for this. Empower us now, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.